Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Jeremiah chapter number 31, verse number 15. It states, a voice was heard in Ramah, Lamming, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 16, it states, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, in all that region, who were two years old and under. According to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, re- weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And for the next few moments, I want to preach on the topic, the prophetic alarm, the prophetic alarm. How many of you are like me and your phone alarm clock has probably eight to nine alarms that go off in the morning? If you're like me, let me see you raise your hand. How many of you can wake up after one alarm? Praise God. I cannot. It takes me a couple of alarms to get awake, but once I'm awake, I'm awake. There's no going back to sleep. However, we have all had the dreaded, we missed our alarm, conversation. If you've ever had a job, I am sure that you've at least one time missed your alarm. And I'll never forget, there was one day that I was uh, freshly out of college and I was working at the hotel. And my job at the hotel was to, uh, early on, was to be Uh, I would help our guests getting to where they needed to get to in the morning. I was, in other terms, a bellman. And I have to tell you, that was one of the greatest jobs I've ever had in my entire life. And uh, I I really enjoyed helping people get to where they need to get to. Well, my job was to be there at 5 in the morning to prepare for our guests that would be departing between the hours of 6 and and 9. And my job was to make sure that the lobby looked perfect, was to make sure that everything was where it needed to be, that our vans, our shuttles were gassed up and ready to go. Well, as you could probably tell where I'm going with this story, there was one morning that I did, in fact, miss all nine alarms. And it it had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't plug my phone in and my phone was completely dead had nothing to do with the fact that I should have not been up playing video games, had nothing to do with the fact that I should have went to bed at a reasonable hour knowing I had to be up at 4 o'clock. However, 4.30 rolls around and I am not even close to lifting an eyebrow or lifting my eyes open. And 5 o'clock rolls around. Now my phone is dead and there is nobody there to take guests anywhere to put anything in the lobby. And I remember waking up at 5.03, because I still had a clock, alarm clock in my room, but why would I use the alarm clock when I had my phone? 
Common sense escaped me from time to time and still does. And I'll never forget waking up at that, uh, that time and I <laughs> looked over and I'm like, oh, surely that says four o'clock, not five. And as you could imagine, I kind of just rubbed my eyes for a minute and I'm like, well, this is getting worse. And, and so instead of jumping up out of bed, I'm just like, well, if it's already five and I'm not there, what's two more minutes of me just rubbing my eyes? So I finally wake up and I see that it is now 5.05 and I'm supposed to be there five minutes ago. Now, usually on a normal morning, there were no guests that wanted to leave the hotel at five in the morning. However, this particular morning was not my morning. And there was a small private airport down the street from our hotel. And people that fly out of private airports do not live in the same world that I do. So if you're telling them that I will be there at 5 o'clock in the morning, Pastor Justin, to take you to your private airport to get on your private plane to go home to your family, you better be there at 5 o'clock. If not, um, they don't have time for you. So I'm looking at my watch, and I'm like, okay, we can do this. So I get to the hotel. I think it was like 5.15. Like, I live very close to the hotel just threw some gel in my hair, brushed my teeth, and I was out the door ready to go. And I walk in, and my boss, who didn't show up every morning until 7.15, was pulling back in, in the van that I was supposed to be driving. And I'm like, oh, no. And he goes, well, I got a call at 4.45 that you weren't here. And I'm like, well, my schedule said 5. Of course I wasn't here. He goes, well, then I got a call at 4.50 that you weren't here. And now I'm one of those guys that if you're on time, you're late. That's just who I am. I'm sorry. My wife is, we have many conversations about this, but I, if you're supposed to be there at 5, 445, 450, 455 is late for me. I'm sorry. It's just late. It's just the way it is. And I feel, I feel a tension in the room right now. So, <laughs> but I was late. And I overslept my alarm. I didn't hear my alarm go off because my phone was dead. And I had an alarm in the room that I did not even think of setting. And in our lives, and while that story is comical and I overcame it and everything was great, I didn't get into any disciplinary action, there are moments in our spiritual walk with God where the alarm can be blaring. And it's real easy to sometimes just hit the snooze button. In our walk, in our relationship with God, there could be things that we see in our spirit or we feel in our spirit and we say that maybe something isn't right or perhaps maybe I need to reevaluate or maybe I need to take this a step further or maybe I need to stop doing this completely. And we call that little alarm conviction sometimes. Or could it be the nudging of the spirit saying to pursue this or not to pursue this? And tonight I want to talk about the prophetic alarm that seems to be ringing pretty loud in the day and the hour that we live in. In our text chapter we see this story that Herod has been tricked by the Magi. They understood and they had this discernment that he was not having the best intentions of seeking this new king who he could worship. But instead that he was trying to rid the world of Jesus before Jesus could fulfill the prophecies that surrounded him. Let me just make a, 
a, a side statement here. The enemy knows that each one of us, if we have been repented of our sins and we've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, he knows that God has incredible plans for us to make disciples and to change our world. He knows that. But he knows that God is looking to take some of us from point A to point B to point C to point D. And that when we take that step, there is always an attack from the enemy to try and extinguish what God is trying to do. And in this narrative, we see that Herod is trying to extinguish Jesus before he really gets on the face of the earth. Because he knows that once Jesus gets going, he knows that there is a Messiah that is going to come. He understands that there is going to be things that Jesus will do and people will do for him because he is going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't misunderstand this narrative that Herod was trying to extinguish what Jesus was setting up and getting ready to do in this moment. And here we see in our walk and our relationship with God, you want to know why sometimes it feels like all hell has come against you when you start to make and start to go deeper in your walk and relationship with God than you've ever gone before. It's because he knows, the enemy knows, that if he can get you apathetic and not worried about the things and just say, I'm okay with just being a child of God or just doing the bare minimum to get by, he knows that you'll never fulfill the prophetic destiny that God has for you. Could it be, and I've talked about this before, and I believe this, that there are times that we look at our lives and we say, well, you don't know where my family came from, but could it be that your prophetic destiny is to turn things around so that there are generational blessings for years to come that will stop the generational curses with you and so that God can do something supernatural through your family? I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it work. And the enemy tries his best to extinguish something before prophetic destiny can be fulfilled. And so we see here that Herod is reaching and he says that it is time to end this whole thing that is this new king. And it is time to make up our minds that this is not what we're going to do. So we see this happen, but it isn't, it's not new. And it should be no coincidence or no, no thing to us that in the 21st century, what have we been seeing in the news recently where people have been trying and trying and trying and trying to extinguish an entire generation before they could ever get started? There is no doubt in my mind that things that we have seen and things that we've experienced in this nation and what God is trying to do, that the prophetic alarm is starting to ring because God is reaching for and saying, look, look, there is a generation that now has the ability to have life where I can begin to use them and I can begin to shape them. And could it be that we're going to see the greatest outpouring that we've ever seen because there is a generation now that has a voice. There is a generation now that has life that's never had life before. I'm telling you, the prophetic alarm is ringing very loud in our day and age. And it is time for some of us to respond to the alarm. The first martyrs were not the disciples. The first martyrs was not Jesus. It was not, uh, it, it, it was not John the Baptist. But the first martyrs that we see recorded here in the New Testament are these small children who paid the price because there was a Savior on board now. 
The enemy has been trying to wipe out generations. And parents, you want to know why your, your, your kids are going through things that you never had to go through? It's because the enemy knows that if he can wipe out another generation, that there's going to be a point where the church gets to it and it says, oh no, we've peaked. We've got nobody following behind us, but I'm proud to stand here tonight and to tell you that upon this rock, the gates of hell shall not prevail because we've done what we needed to do. We've prayed, we've fasted, and we've sought God and heard the prophetic alarm for our children is it any wonder that Herod is standing there in this moment and he realizes that he needs to stop this threat before it happens but we can see tonight that there is something that happens when Jesus steps onto the scene and so we see in our text chapter as we read in Jeremiah why Rama? Why Rachel? Why, why, what does this mean? And this is where I want to spend the next few moments before we go to the altar call because I believe God wants to do something special tonight. Why Rama? Why? This is where Rachel is buried. She was the mother crying out for the grave is what Jeremiah illustrates. That there was a physical groan, an audible groan from the earth. She was displeased with the current situation as way Jeremiah described what was going to happen and it was pr- fulfilled later on in the New Testament. And in, in the world that we live in, the earth is groaning. The earth is groaning. Our world is groaning. Our world is hurting. And it is time now more than ever for the church to make prayers and to say, as it talks about in Second Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And I'm telling us tonight that the prophetic alarm is ringing and it's time for some of us to get on our face and say, God, I'm not leaving this place until my family has a change. I'm not leaving this place until my situation has a change because there is too much at stake for what God is trying to do. The prophetic alarm was ringing. And so here we see this picture that is painted that Rachel is a mother is groaning because it feels as if her kids are being ripped away from her. And if you've ever, if you've had kids, you know what it feels like when your kids are hurting or when your kids feel like they're broken and you're trying to pull on them and you're trying to help them and you're trying to save them. There's a groaning that comes. And here we see this imagery painted. But there was more to this place that is called Ramah. This is where Samuel was born and where he was buried. The key is because that what God was saying was that this is an important place because there is the voice of the prophet here in Ramah. And let me just state, state this statement. Do not ever despise the voice of the prophet. Do not ever despise the voice of the man or woman of God that is trying to reach for your soul. Because it was Saul who did not want to hear the voice of the prophet anymore. When Samuel is trying to tell Saul how to be the king and when he's trying to tell him what to do, Saul says, I think I know best, therefore I will do what I think. And Samuel shows up and he says, Saul, what have you done? The Bible states on two occasions that Saul cried, Samuel cried over Saul. The reason that this is important in this narrative is because Samuel is buried here in Ramah. But it was Saul later in his life who wanted to hear the voice of the prophet one more time. And he marches over to the medium at Endor. But let me just say this, that in order to get to Endor, he had to walk through Ramah. 
He had to walk over the grave of the prophet that he was trying to reach so that he could hear the voice one more time. Don't let it be said that we get to the place where we come to church and we hear great message after great message and we see move of God after move of God and God is reaching for us and God is pulling for us and we don't know where to hear the voice of God anymore. But let it be said that we respond to the prophetic alarm that is going off in our lives that when God is reaching and when God is speaking that we know His voice, we know His touch and we can say, God, here I am. So one last thing about Rama is this. Rama was not only the place where Herod killed and dumped these small children, but it was also the place in the Old Testament where Nebuzaradan murdered the Israelites and threw them outside as trash. This place was now familiar with the Israelites because they had been dumped there once before. They had been thrown away once before. The enemy will always take you to the deepest place of your pain and of your hurt when you begin to walk in a new relationship with God. The enemy has no care for you at all. And in fact, he is out to destroy you. And when you are making that move and that that new relationship or, or walking with God in a new way that you've never walked, do not be surprised when the past gets thrown in your face. Do not be surprised when the enemy takes you to the greatest pain, to the greatest hurt of your entire life and says, look, we're back here again. The Israelites knew their history. They knew the times of Slavery. They knew the times when they were brought to Babylon. They knew the times when they had to go back and when they were finally allowed to go back. But they knew the times, and I'm sure that they had it marked down every single time somebody tried to wipe their generation out. But here they are again, and they're brought back to this place. Back to the pain, back to the hurt, back to the anguish. And there are some of us, and I feel this in the Holy Ghost tonight, that the enemy has been working on you. You've been trying to make move after move for God. But every time you make it to the altar, when you leave these doors, you walk back out and the enemy says, here is your past. He takes you back to a place of the times before Christ and he says, here are the things that you used to do. Do you think God really cares about you? And as soon as we walk out those doors, the enemy says that there is no way that you can ever fulfill a prophetic destiny because I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I know every time that you've come to me. And I want to give somebody hope here tonight that just because the enemy has tried to take you back down that road time and time again that you can leave here in victory tonight because God is reaching for someone and saying that the prophetic destiny that I have for you is greater than any past that you've ever been. It's greater than everywhere that you've ever gone. And the prophetic destiny that I have for you will help change the situations that you face every single day. Mm. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Let's just lift our hands right now. There are some of us in this room tonight that 
If we had a magic marker, we would forget the past as much as we possibly could. Because the enemy has used that as his greatest weapon to try and disrupt what God is trying to do in your life. He's reaching down and he's putting the clamps and the full court press on you to try and disrupt everything that God has promised you. And let me just tell you this much. This whole thing that we call life is wrapping up soon. I believe that we're going to see the rapture at some point here in the future. And I believe that God's got some promises to fulfill inside of our lives before that happens. And if we can get on this idea that, you know what, I, I don't have to live with the shame that the enemy has tried to, to give me. I don't have to live with the guilt. Let me just tell you, on the other side of that are the promises that God is waiting to fulfill in our lives. Because there are some of us that God has spoken promises to. That there are certain things that have to happen and God has told us are going to happen in our lives. Whether through prophetic words or somebody has laid their hand on you and told you. There are things that are going to happen and God is going to fulfill them. But let me just stand here tonight and say this. That if God has promised it, it will happen. And the enemy can try whatever tactic he wants. But when we leave this place tonight, we are going to leave in victory because I believe that the prophetic alarms are going off and the greatest sign that Jesus is coming back are, are there's going to be wars, there's going to be rumors of wars, there's going to be famine, there's going to be pestilence, we know these things but the Bible also say, states in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh that my sons and your daughters are going to dream and we're going to have prophecy and we're going to see these things. Let me just tell someone here tonight that God is getting ready to do something that will blow our mind but there's a prophetic alarm that's going off that if we can respond to and say God I want to be a part of whatever it is that you're going to do I've counted the cost God I'm going all in God will do something spectacular in our lives and we see that this prophetic alarm has been going off since the days of Jesus where the enemy tried to wipe the church out tried to do things time and time again to end what God had started. Jesus, God in the flesh. But there was a supernatural experience. Because Jesus knew that his church would prevail every single time. And tonight, I feel that God is trying to move somebody to the point where you can stand up and say that I do not have to live with the things of my past. But I want to live and to walk in the destiny that God has called me to. There is an alarm that's going off and you know it more than I do in your walk and in your relationship with God that has been drawing you and been pulling you to go deeper. For some of us there has been an alarm for years and now it's just a faint noise. But God is reaching for you tonight saying that if you can count the cost and go all in the other side of that is the greatest thing that you've ever seen. The scene is Dresden, Germany. 1945. February is the month. It has been unscathed by the effects of World War II. It is considered the biggest metropolis in, journey, in Germany. In fact, it was called the Florence from Italy and Germany. It's a city of the arts, theater, cinema, performing arts, and wealthy individuals. Wherever the wealth was in Germany would escape to Dresden knowing that it had been untouched throughout the World War. 
It is a beautiful place. There were beautiful buildings, beautiful cities, and if we have the picture, a beautiful river that would go through Germany, through Dresden. Absolutely beautiful to look at. These buildings were innately crafted. They were done by people that had this vision that Dresden could be the hope for the future. However, little to the outside world until a few spies finally caught on to what was going on was that there was a factory in the middle of this beautiful city that was producing munitions for the German side. And the scene that we see that unfolds on this night on February 15th is that there is this landscape and culture would be radically changed and history would be changed. And many authors and many historians believe that this night was the night that single-handedly changed World War II. This would be the night that between the U.S. Air Force and the British, that they would begin with one run of airplanes over Dresden. The alarm from the men who would man the tower by the German soldiers outside of Dresden saw that there were British planes coming. And history tells us that that night they rang the alarm exactly one time. The alarm lasted for two minutes telling people to seek shelter. But this was a city who had never been touched in any war. And in that night, after the first wave of British planes passed through, the city went back to its normal behavior that night. The city was so sure that they would never be touched in World War II that their bomb shelters were actually turned in to shelters for people who had no homes. There were no bomb shelters in the entire city that, were suppo- that would stand the grade of what would be considered a bomb shelter at all because they were so convinced that nothing would ever happen there. But that night after the first alarm and after the first wave of bombs that went through that city, the city resumed its business that night. And what happened over those next two days single-handedly changed World War II. The United States and the British Air Force would go on to completely level that city if we have the picture. In the next picture. The city had these buildings and that would be all that was standing at the end of this. And you can see off there in that top right corner is the factory that was mentioned. The city was forever changed and that night the damage that was done where 78,000 dwellings had been completely destroyed. 27,700 were uninhabitable. 64,500 additional homes were damaged and 25,000 people lost their lives that night. The city was not equipped for any air raids. The shelters were used for other things. The alarm only went off once and the fire raged for days. The alarm after the first time never went off again and it was only temporary cause to seek shelter but went right back to the normal after immediate shock. And as that continued on for two days, 
the Germans finally realized that they were not invincible. And while this shaped World War II and it changed the landscape of what would happen throughout the rest of that war, one alarm went off. One alarm went off. How many people would have had their lives had not one alarm went off? And tonight I've come to, as we stand tonight and as the musicians come, to tell somebody that God is reaching because there is an alarm that is ringing very loud. This world that we live in, the prophetic alarm, has been blaring and God is reaching for somebody tonight. There are things that are happening in our world that if we were to dive into would absolutely scare some of us and we, we could, it, it's all Bible prophecy. There are companies that are trying to buy cities where you owe the company everything and the only way to communicate in that place is through a chip. There are cities in the United States, this is active, and I, I work in the mortgage industry and I'm telling you, that have rezoned entire cities so that you can no longer own a house, but it can only be communal dwelling. The prophetic alarm is ringing tonight. And while those things can easily scare us, the greatest thing that we have to look forward to is well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. The prophetic alarm has been ringing for years. But the good news is that there is hope. Herod tried to wipe out a generation so that Jesus could not fill, fulfill prophetic destiny. But even in the midst of his evilness, something greater rose up and allowed prophetic destiny to be fulfilled. Because hanging on Calvary for you and for me was the Savior of the world so that we might have life and have it everlasting. And I've come to tell somebody tonight that the enemy has been trying to take you back to Rama time and time again saying, look what I've done here once. And I'm going to do it again. Look what I've done in your life once. Look at the pain, the hurt, the abuse that you face. Look at all these things. But I've come to give somebody hope tonight that the prophetic alarm is blaring and you don't have to leave because the Bible states that he loved you so much that he died on Calvary for you. The Bible also states greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can choose where you're going to place your feet. But for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to place my trust in the things that are in this world. I don't care if the world is passing away, but I know that on this rock I will stand. And when the prophetic alarm is blaring and when things in this world are turning upside down, I know that on this rock and on this word are the promises of God. And if the promises of God are in this word, they're for me. I want to be. And we're getting ready to open this altar.
and perhaps tonight you're here and you just want to pour out yourself and say, God, I want to be ready for the coming. You can come and do that. But I believe that God is reaching for somebody tonight that you've been battling. You've been feeling like the enemy has been taking you back time and time again. And the snooze button has been hit time and time again. And it feels like a faint noise now with the prophetic alarm. But I've come to tell somebody tonight that you can leave here in victory tonight. You can leave here full of what God wants to do in the promises of God can begin to be fulfilled in your life. But before we come to the altar, I wonder if we could just lift our hands all across this place right now. God is reaching for, and if you want to become begin to come to this altar, you can. But I believe that God wants to inspire somebody and re-engage that spirit tonight that you know what, those prayers that you've been praying, they have been heard. Those fasts that you've been doing, God has seen every sacrifice. God has been reaching and God has been pulling and the enemy has told you that there is no way that God cares. I'm going to take you back to the place that you used to be. And God is saying tonight that you do not have to go back there. As this altar opens tonight, I want to encourage somebody that what God wants to do is far greater than anything that the enemy has tried to convince you of. Maybe there's a mom in this church or maybe there's a dad. You need to just start praying over your kids like you've never prayed over them before. <laughs> Maybe there's a grandparent in here. If, if you're not praying, nobody's praying. Maybe you just need to pray just a little bit right now for what God wants to do. But hear me tonight that God is going to meet us here in these next few moments as we begin to just lift our hands and just cry out. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.